Welcome to episode lucky number 13 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series Weekly Recap. Is that what this is? Is this lucky number 13? <laughs> yeah. Okay. If we didn't make it, so you you all know we record these in batches and stuff. Today's episode, I had to make a couple trips home. That was fun because Smart Rod decided to leave the microphones at home, so that was an adventure. And then I tried to charge my car and they wouldn't stop charging. It's a whole whole thing. If you want a separate podcast of the adventure of just recording today. No. There's a whole other No, thing. we don't. We don't need a separate one. Uh, so lucky number 13. Yeah, X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm Rod. You can find me on Spotify, Instagram. Look up Rod Kim. Very few people doing things I'm doing with my name. And I'm JC, and you can find me at at the John Carl on pretty much everything. Cyclops is waiting for me is our weekly podcast series where we are going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men the Animated Series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus in 2023. Fingers crossed. Some quick reminders. We're a recap show about a series that came out 30 years ago. Did you just call it a recap show? Did I say recap show? <laughs> We're we we are a recap show. Nope, nope. You keep that line in there. You just we're, keep pushing through, sir. We're a recap show about a series that came out thirty years ago. There'll be spoilers. If you don't want to spoil for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, come back. We'll do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet. And we're not currently sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way. But hey, there's there's parental controls on there now. There's mature content. Netflix Marvel series is on there now, so. We are welcome to be your adult content host. That didn't come out right. No, God. I'm, <laughs> I'm speaking of pushing through. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And Rod, what is our handle on TikTok? Same thing, Cyclops IWFM Pod. And of course, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast services. Finally, we record these episodes in batches. So when we start to lose our shit by the end of the later episode, you guys can tell. And if we're reacting to any news that may seem out of date, similar to announcing that Disney Plus has parental controls roughly five weeks after that goes into effect <laughs> in real life, that's why. Now on to the show. I don't know how to follow that up. Today, we're going to be talking about season two, episode three, whatever it takes. It aired on November 6th, 1993, and currently sits at a 7.2 star rating on IMDb. Oh, that's disappointing. I like this episode, but mostly because it's about Storm. So I set up the scripts of who is the host and who is the support of each episode, and literally the whole decision of, oh, who's going to host which episode today came down to us alternating and Rod needing to be the host of the Storm-focused episode. Oh, that's great, because my notes, the first thing I said was, oh, snap, this is the Shadow King episode. I love it. Because I knew that Shadow King, from this series specifically, was really tied to Storm's backstory. Yeah, lots of lots of ties to Storm and lots of ties to Xavier specifically. And that is very consistent with the majority of the X-Men lore. Eventually, he starts getting very tied in with the current iteration of the New Mutants. But yeah, so much of Shadow King has been tied to Storm and to Professor X. And Shadow King was the main villain of the Legion TV show. I'm correct. Which I have not watched. So You haven't? I have not. I was going to say who plays Shadow King, but that would be a major spoiler to the series, especially the first season. So I won't mention that here. But if if you know, you know if you're listening. But it's it, I think it's a cool show. It's not in any way tied to anything else in the Marvel various universes. It's its own multiverse. I do remember, though, because I, I was part of some like influencer installation when the second season of the show came out. They mentioned that they, the creators of the show were trying to make it so cool that it would have to be part of the MCU. It's a very, very cocky thing to say. 
And from what I had heard, it was it was regarded as a fairly good show, but it just is tied into so much of the Fox ownership and such. It it was probably the most cerebral Marvel or even superhero show that has been around, but also what made it really impossible to tie into any end of the universe because it's so weird. But I recommend watching. It's really cool. Well, you know what, Rod? At some point, we are going to run out of episodes of the cartoon. So three years <laughs> from now? Legion reviews. Sweet. And we're going to need edibles by that point. <laughs> we got them. We Mar- are. Mostly because of the show. If you watch Legion, you know. They are totally legal in California. So. Anyway, being a Shadow King, we're at Mount Kilimanjaro. And there's some kids playing soccer. One of them is remarkably fast. And, and he's wearing a jersey. Did you notice the jersey? I did not. He's wearing a red jersey, specifically with the number 23 on it. Oh, I don't know sports things. God Damn it, Rod. <laughs> Is that you Michael do- Jordan? That's Michael Jordan. Okay. okay. I'm just guessing because 90s, who else would it be? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Red jersey with a 23 on it in 1993. Who could that be? That's the logo that's the upside down, like, crab violating, like, a thing. Have you ever looked at the Bulls symbol? No. Uh, Rod, keep going. Okay. <laughs> keep going, Rod. Uh, anyway, so there's one of them that you, at this point you're assuming is a mutant because he can run, like, so much faster than the rest of the kids. And the mutant kid start seeing like a split down the mountain which the other kids can't see and so it's kind of a mystery and everybody thinks he's crazy after they've accused him of cheating because he's running so fast yeah yeah <laughs> like you could run fast there's no way anything else weird is happening yeah so you see the the tear in the mountain there's also red eyes to help us mm. know that there's going to be some Something. shit that's going to go down yeah and then we go to the X Mansion where Gene and Beast are seeing something triggered on the computer that Cerebro looks, specifically. Yeah. Is it Cerebro? Okay. Yeah. I know that Gene mentioned later Cerebro, but it's hard to keep track of what tech is in this room. It was such a psychic spike that I I, okay. I, I read that as Cerebro. And they directly tie it to the events that are ha- happening at Kilimanjaro. Rogue is bringing Storm home from the hospital at that time. And, and if, if you're just tuning in and you didn't listen to the last episode that's because storm got shot by cops who were being led by an evil morph <laughs> i i don't want to give any further context yeah. now i just want that to be enough that they go listen to the last episode just in case yeah because um, it, it took however long the last episode was to explain why that makes sense yep god it's it's a long episode too <laughs> it is a long episode it's even longer to record but the question is what's going on over there somehow tied to bishop Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting because Days of Future Past. Yeah. Well, not that they would know that it's Days of Future Past, yeah, yeah. but they start to reference things that aren't even directly tied to it, which makes it feel like a bigger universe to me. Like yeah. it, it makes the story feel like tendrils could go out in any direction. And to their credit, the last time they saw like magical openings in the sky were in thin air. Well, there was the, the door. There was the door in yeah. the Bishop episode. Yeah. So they're probably like, that sounds similar. Yeah. You think it could be that. And then Gene says, oh, this clearly looks like a tear in the astral plane, which I'm glad that was like a clear answer to her. She was like, sure, we've seen this before, right? She is one of the most <laughs> powerful psychics on the planet. Yeah. yeah. And somehow still with Scott. We don't know why. So Storm recognizes the location and she kind of, is, you see this fear in her eye and she goes, Mijinari. And I think most people have connected by now that that's probably the kid that we saw earlier that was running really fast. I would hope so. <laughs> At this point, you should be able to pick up on that. And we're back in Africa, and Mijinari is still witnessing this this mountain opening up and the Shadow King 
Do we know it's the Shadow King at that point? We don't know it's the Shadow King at that point. It, we we know, having watched the episode, mm-hmm. it is the Shadow King, but his, his name has not been addressed yet. So a giant dark cloud comes out of the tear in the mountain. It's not just and- a dark cloud, to be fair. <laughs> it's a dark cloud with a face and fangs yeah, and such. It is, it, is a, it looks like a really ghastly version of like a haunter from Pokemon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just use ghastly to describe yeah. Haunter, so that's extra confusing. <laughs> Holy nerd them Batman, nice. keep going. So the Shadow King or Dark Cloud or whatever, or Pokemon. This Pokemon the, dark, the Dark Pokemon. The Dark Pokemon possesses Mijinari. Yep. <laughs> and it gets scary because he has red eyes, and that's usually the signal in this show that something nefarious is afoot. Yep. And we now cut to a third location. Which is the upper Amazon in Brazil. So did you have to look that up, or was this clear in the show somehow? It said it on the screen, Rod. Oh, Wait. I would I would not have written down Upper Amazon. Okay, so a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of behind the scenes. Do you watch it on your phone? No, I watch okay. it on my TV. But okay. I have my laptop in front of me taking notes. I'll bet the top of my laptop covered that portion. So you read scene. Mount Kilimanjaro, but yes. the Amazon, you're like, nope. I have a cat. I don't know how to describe things. Yep. I don't know. I'm okay. just blaming the distractions. So. <laughs> <laughs> you have Wolverine on on the this Jungle Cruise. It literally is the boat from the Jungle yeah. Cruise. Let's let's be real. This is like Disney theme park inspired Jungle Only Cruise without the dad jokes or the rock. No, but you did get a racist, so it's just like being in Florida. <laughs> and I did like that the captain of that little Jungle Cruise boat was like, "So the person you're looking for can look like anybody he wants." He's not one of those mutants, is he? He's like, "Are there other types of people in this universe that can do this thing?" <laughs> Yes, actually, there are. Because we do know that this is a universe where there are non-mutant heroes. There is Spider-Man in this universe that is acknowledged in the show. Captain Marvel is acknowledged in the show. Captain America is acknowledged in the show. No, would... would So there are powered beings. Would this particular boat captain know the differentiation? No. Okay. (laughs) No. He he assumes they're all dem-muties. And he has a little shitty monkey, too. Yeah, which... The monkey is kind of friendly to Wolverine. Yeah, I just hate all so, monkeys. Okay. <laughs> and so they they dock or land or whatever. Yeah, they dock. The boat. And he's he's still talking to Wolverine, but by the time he turns around, Wolverine has just like disappeared. He's vaporized. He's like, I'm out of here. This guy's annoying. And by vaporized, you mean he literally just walked off? Yeah, he just walked off. Yep. This guy's not paying um, attention. So he starts walking into a bar and he passes by two people. Rod, our favorite game... Who are those characters? Oh, no. See, those two characters, I didn't know were anybody significant. I thought they looked similar to the villagers at Kilimanjaro. So they're important characters? They are not important characters, but they are definitely references. They are not the little green guy from the opening sequence. So you have two mutants who appeared in the original Wolverine comic. You have Bloodscream and Roughhouse. What names? So they are specifically Wolverine associated villains from the comics oh that's really cool wow someone's paying attention in the show imagine if people do that now (laughs) sorry (laughs) no here's the problem is if you do it now you'd be watching it in a theater and 17 people would scream the name of the character (laughs) at the same time (laughs) or you'd or you'd be on your phone twitter's going and everybody immediately tweets that person at the same time yeah or just screenshots it yeah man that's anyway it's dangerous time to be a nerd with big movies coming out. So then we catch up with Rogan Storm. They're arriving in Africa. I believe it's the country of Tanzania, Tanzania okay. in the city of Dodana. And in the distance of the city, you see smaller villages that have called 
for an emergency mm-hmm. and they they make some sort of allusion to well this something must be going on we wouldn't have seen that spike in the astral plane and gotten the emergency call at the same time if something wasn't up yeah and they find that the village is on fire and so storm doing her thing she makes it rain put the fires out apparently the villagers thought the best plan of action why their houses are on fire to be in them you put it out from the inside okay (laughs) i don't i don't know how to put out fires so yeah so they come out of their homes that are now not on fire anymore and they instantly recognize storm i think we're kind of in the same boat as rogue at this point where we're learning things and so it's clear that like this is where Storm is from, or she spent a good portion of her life here. Yep, she sees Shawnee, who's one of the villagers, and she asks about her son. And that phrase kind of catches everybody off guard. Yeah. Yeah, including Rogue. <laughs> like, wait, Storm has a son? And this is where, in the 90s, there was a commercial break. So I think the thing that happens right before the commercial break is, Mijnari is my son. Dun! And then we watch Hell a of a of, music sting right there, right? Rob. And then we Very watch good. a bunch of... You are you. absolutely a musician. <laughs> Thank you. Then we watched, I don't know, bubblegum commercials. They're probably neon colored at that time. Oh, it was definitely toy commercials. <laughs> it was toy commercials and zebra stripe, fruit stripe gum. Yeah, the last were like two seconds. God, it it was so good for two seconds. And yeah. then it just turned into cardboard. <laughs> actually, you know, the thing that probably actually happened was those after these messages will be right back or something in that wheelhouse. Again, that professional musician. <laughs> well, you remember the claymation things that... This was that that was ABC, so it wouldn't have been for Fox Kids. But yeah, there was usually some sort of micro cartoon. I don't know how to yeah, explain Fo- it. Yeah, Fox Kids. It was like just you know somebody telling you to go fuck yourself, <laughs> buy more shit from us. Yeah, buy our stuff. We have to beat ABC. <laughs> fuck you, NBC. And who the fuck is CBS? Wait, do they, is that? Yeah, that's a whole other tangent. That's a whole other tangent. It just just those things that were like pre-commercials for the commercials, the interstitials. Yeah, yeah, interstitial. Yeah, that they were just their whole other show like. Remember that little claymation girl with the pennies for eyes? You you probably recognize it if I showed it to you. She had a whole backstory, but she literally only popped up in interstitials before and after commercials. Let's keep going with the X-Men, Rod. <laughs> Maybe she is an X-Man. We don't know yet. Anyway, so we come back from that, whatever that was, and <laughs> Shadow, Shadow King reveals through like a monologue to Mijnari that Storm is actually Mijnari's godmother. And he wants to have Storm's like vessel so he can use her powers to do whatever he's going to plan on doing and now we come back to the bar that wolverine's at back in the amazon yeah and he uh, immediately recognizes the bartender's morph even though the bartender doesn't look like morph we've established from the last episode wolverine can smell morph yeah which is so romantic so they have like their moment and then to morph's credit Morph's powers have have been solely focused on the ability to transform. Morph flips the entire bar onto Wolverine. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've known this, Brad. Bars are heavy. Yeah. So we see not only is he morphing and changing his appearance, he also literally flipped an entire bar onto Wolverine. And then he goes for the total mindfuck attack of like transforming into Gene. And this is one of those times where I do think Wolverine's reaction is 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 not totally appropriate because he starts to get freaked out by the things that Morph is saying as Gene, mm-hmm. but he knows that it's Morph who did it. It's not like he just encountered Gene and was hearing these things that she's saying of like, oh, I love Cyclops and not you and things mm-hmm. like that. He knows that that is Morph fucking with him and it still starts like, 
It's too close to home. Yeah, it, 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 it felt like he fell for the trick that wasn't even really a trick. Yeah, I, and I, I guess I sort of identify with that because like on one hand, you could interpret it as, well, he's very physically strong and can heal and stuff, so maybe he's not the most mentally strong. But at the same time, I'm one of those people that like, most of the time I have to like kind of pretend to go along with like a mean joke because deep inside I'm like, oh, there's a kernel of truth in there, you know? So even for Wolverine, if, if he even's aware that that's not Gene, he's like, well, the things that Morph Gene is saying have a kernel of truth to him. He's like, I don't want to deal with this right now. It's just so traumatic. Yeah, know? but I feel like at that point, just punch him in the face. <laughs> well, that too, yeah. Punch, punch not Gene in her face. <laughs> that's the slogan of the show. Punch not Gene in the face. Oh, well, we know what you're going to clip out for the, for the promo. <laughs> And back to the village. Yeah. And, well, real quick with Morph, as the more I see why they fridged him for the first season, because the more he exhibits his powers, the more questions I have. And I think even as a child, I had questions about how this worked. Because, like you said, he flipped the entire bar, and it, the confusion doesn't improve as the series goes along with Morph. So we're back at the village, and Shani and Storm are kind of sussing out more of the story with Mijinari. So we find out that Shani's actually Mijinari's biological mother, but was stillborn or at least very sick or something. And he, he came out not breathing, essentially. Yeah. And while it was, a re- she said it was a really difficult birth. So while the midwife was taking care of Shani to make sure she was going to survive childbirth, mm. Storm actually is the one who performed CPR on the baby, ensuring that he survived. And, and the relationship was built off of that. And they said the, the phrasing to the uh, paraphrasing here, Storm came to the village an orphan and left one of us, showing that it wasn't just she came, she was a hero, and then she left. She actually spent time and was a part of the life of these villagers and in Mijinari specifically. Yeah, and they said that basically Mijinari grew up with two moms. That yep. They're pretty equal, which is you know saying a lot, especially in, in this time, like in the 90s, to to have like kind of like a non-nuclear family, not in America and stuff. Like really, really progressive thinking. It's really cool. Yep. And then Shadow King as Mijinari. <laughs> Man, this is almost as confusing as Morph's thing last episode. It's only like two <laughs> body swaps there, yeah. so it's not too, too bad. So Shadow King as Mijinari confronts Storm and then kind of challenges her. I almost thought it was going to be a battle, but basically says like, meet me at the mountain. We'll deal with it there. Yeah, Shadow King is like, okay, cool. I'll give up this body but I want you instead. Shadow King also, and, and this is one of those things where I wondered back when I originally watched it, if I had missed an episode or something like that, because again, they're treating kids smarter than how most cartoons and TV shows at the time would. They reference the fact that the Shadow King was trapped in the astral plane by Xavier, condemned to living death, exhibiting that there's history between these characters and it wasn't something that had happened in an earlier episode. It was actually saying, here's stuff that happened off camera. We're going to tell you about it, but we don't have to show it to you because we respect your intelligence enough to to understand what is going on and not needing to see 17 more flashbacks. Yeah, I actually, in this recent viewing, wondered if I had missed an episode or forgotten about what we talked not missed an episode obviously I haven't missed an episode been here talking about all of them but if I forgot about something or if you watched an episode out of order which right. is entirely possible <laughs> I double check this one we have a spreadsheet I double check before I watch them we do have a spreadsheet <laughs> and which is John's doing is not I'm not organized so but I I actually went to the as far as to pausing it looking back at the rest of my notes because I do save them 
and also looking up IMDb to the voice actor Shadow King to see if there was an episode. And once I realized Shadow King is not in my notes before this, and that actor pops up one more time in the series, I guess minor spoiler, <laughs> uh, at least in IMDb credits. I don't remember the episode they they referenced, but I was like, okay. So it was it was just a kind of, we're going to revisit this, but there's a backstory here. But yeah, that Professor X is the one that fought him and like kind of banished him to Hole yeah, in sure. the Mountain yep. World. Holy mountain world. Hole in the mountain world. Hole in the mountain world. Yeah. Good. This is why I wasn't in charge. That's why I'm not a, a show writer. Because these would be my names. <laughs> it's going to be the best number one hit you ever write. <laughs> Hole in the mountain world. Hole in the mountain world. All right. If you're listening to this, I'm going to write Hole in the mountain world theme song. <laughs> yep. That's going to be our season two theme. There you go. Yep. <laughs> Let's get Ron on that too. I'm sure we can't wait. And so Shadow King kind of starts to, to bargain with Storm. Like, I'll give you your son back if I can take your your form. And Rogue is like, are you crazy? And Storm just yeets Rogue away. Wind yeets Rogue. <laughs> Wind yeets. Yep. <laughs> this, I'm writing a track list now for the next album. <laughs> it's all going to be based on one episode. Right. That's the funny part. And so then it it the, uh, the whole transaction takes place. Shadow King doesn't do what most mobsters do. He keeps good on his bargain. He lets, he lets Mijinari go. He possesses Storm and then Shadow King Storm goes off to get revenge on Professor Xavier. Yeah, starts screaming, Xavier, I've won, and specifically calls out, I'm going to rule Kyra. I don't know if you picked up on that. Ooh, nope. This is definitely very tied to the comics, but the individual who Shadow King possesses for a very long time period is somebody who has lived for a really long time in Cairo and actually has taken advantage of like orphaned kids, you know, what you would call like, you know, the the street rat kids and stuff. Aladdin. Yeah. And has like his own little group that he has like committing minor crimes and stuff like that. And it all happens on the streets of Cairo. That makes a flashback that's going to happen very soon make a lot more sense. So this is a tangent. Does that imply or just flat out say that Apocalypse and Shadow King have interacted several times in the past? No. Oh, interesting. Nope. So they both existed there. What What a weird place to be in that time of history then. Well, <laughs> Apocalypse was in the time of the pharaohs. Shadow King is recent history. Oh, gotcha. Yep. Got to get my timeline straight because also that makes sense because Storm would not. Okay, anyway, yep. moving forward. <laughs> uh, and then we get a interaction between Rogue trying to fight Shadow King Storm. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, he sees the power in Rogue, but he also rejects trying to take over Rogue's body, calling Rogue's body crowded. And <laughs> I thought that was a really like cool illusion because in the show... We know that she, Rogue, has absorbed the evil that is within Archangel, but something that we're going to see later, we've alluded to this before, there are parts of Rogue's history that remain a part of her as well. So Rogue isn't just absorbing one thing about one person. Mm-hmm. She has a lot that she's dealing with overall. Yeah, so I, this was something actually that I never really settled when I was a kid watching this, and you probably have a better understanding of this, but like I had these dual understandings of Rogue's powers. So she absorbs Gambit's power because he thought she consented to making out in the previous episode. Yep. And then over time they fade away. They dissipate. Because of brief interaction. But there's other interactions that no spoilers that are 
longer that seem to be permanent in Rogue. Is that permanent or is it just like a longer taper off that's gonna like outlive her? It ties to what the interaction was and part of it is the intent of the interaction. Mm -hmm. While she doesn't have full control over like absorbing people, like she doesn't have the option not to, she can absorb more of them, like similar to what she did with Juggernaut. She was was not trying to take all of Juggernaut's strength. Mm -hmm. She just needed to take enough to weaken him. So she, she has kind of like her powers version of like pulling her punches or going for it. Yeah, like there's no off switch, mm-hmm. but there has to, it, there is a minimum and extended version. Yeah. yeah, and she had a lot, I'm guessing that extended to like her having a lot more control with taking out just like the evil part of Archangel, but not like debilitating him. I mean, I think she was trying to knock out Archangel, oh, okay. to be fair. <laughs> I don't think she was trying to absorb him, but she was like, I need to knock this dude out. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Cool, cool. And then and she actually makes an attempt to, it looks like, absorb Shadow King from Storm, which would make sense in that setting if you kind of knew broadly what their powers were. It's like, okay, yeah, she can she can take the soul right out of this. this I room. don't know, but she gets zapped and yeah. dropped, so it didn't matter. <laughs> Zero, yeah, Rogue is still attempting to absorb Shadow King from Storm, so Shadow King Storm, like, tornadoes Rogue out of the sky. And Mijinari. Heat number two. Heat number two, yeah. And then Mijinari actually catches her. I like the little bit of realism here where Mijinari like gets hurt a bit and he's like, I'm fast, but I'm not that strong, which <laughs> granted Rogue is an adult woman that is very muscular and strong, but that could not have felt good hearing. It's like, you're pretty heavy lady falling out of the sky. Okay. <laughs> he's still like a kid yeah, he's though, a teenager. trying to catch a standard sized woman falling out. Yeah. Like he's like, I just broke your fall. That's all. Yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although that that says something too, like he's not broken after. Anyway, there's a lot of physics there we don't need to get into. We cut away back to Wolverine. He's in the forest and immediately falls down a mine shaft. That's where we catch up with him. Yep. And he's confronting Morph, and Morph is very cinematic, and he is giving a monologue in the darkness of the shadow of the mine shaft. <laughs> so he starts turning these characters. I did recognize a couple of them. I think you're going to be pretty entertained by who my guesses were the wrong ones. So I. Obviously, recognized Deadpool. That was kind of cool to see, even as a kid and now. He turns into Omega Red, which is foreshadowing. I know this one is wrong, but I was like, was that Nova? Nova. Yeah, I don't know why that. I I honestly don't have any, like, calculations of why I thought that. It's just it was the name that popped in my head when I saw the image. So, Rod has the memory of a goldfish (laughs) because we've actually seen this character on screen in the original Sabretooth episode when we're having flashbacks of Sabretooth's memories. Uh, And it was Maverick, who has not been named in the show, but we have seen Maverick multiple times. I also have smoke and drink since then. Yeah, that's fair. So they get into a fight. We get another Wolverine versus Wolverine fight. Actual Wolverine cuts through Morph Wolverine's claws, which, okay, cool. I guess you could cut through pieces of Morph and it doesn't kill him. Turns into a panther. That's that's a panther, right? Yeah, it looked like a a black panther and, and a rhino. And then turns into a rhino. So this goes with my thing I said earlier where I have questions about Morph's powers. So he's not just humanoid morphing. Is this a consistent thing with this character? <laughs> so the the thing about Morph is the character that he's based off of is Changeling, mm-hmm. who only had a very short time frame. He was in the X-Men comic books. And then the next version of Morph that would come in the Exiles comic years later was a dramatically different power set in, in very extreme in his abilities. This is kind of a blank slate, so it didn't need to be consistent with something that pre-existed. Okay. Yeah. Because I feel like this is kind of a, it's a little bit of a MacGuffin because 
then that just sends my mind spiraling. It's like, if you can turn to a panther and a rhino, then what's to stop dragons and shit? You know, like it's crazy. I mean, stuff. to an extent, he has a little <laughs> bit of Beast Boy from Teen Titans. Okay. Yeah. So there's like a probably a limitation, which is not quite clear on where that's at. Right. Probably mostly plot device. And then final transformation turns into Sabretooth. Then you get one of my favorite images of Wolverine in a fight where he gets the upper hand, draws his claws, and has the left and rightmost claws on the side of his opponent's face. And you know that the middle claw is just not poked up because if he does that, he would like <laughs> puncture somebody's skull. And we don't know if Morph would survive this. And we wouldn't have seen it on Fox Kids on Saturday morning. <laughs> would have been amazing if we did though. Yeah, so he's, he spares, he's trying to catch Morph. He's not trying to, he's not trying to kill him. But also Morph is just like, not afraid to go into that psychological warfare within like hours we're assuming he's turned into gene and Sabretooth and taunted yep. wolverine so also i and guess it, I yeah, also, and, i mean also you know we don't have the full history of it yet but the deadpool moment the omega red moment mm -hmm. the maverick moment there's a reason he's turning into those characters yeah so it, it really kind of shows how close they were before the series started so it's not just wolverine just you know being sad for no reason they were pretty close yeah um, except Sad Wolverine on the bed. The, the picture frame. <laughs> yeah, that would have been incredible if Morph turned into that. It's like, wait, how did you know about that? It's like, I've been watching Peter Parker's vlog, man. Um, the vlog in 1993. Right. <laughs> Which, sidebar, did you know that Salil Moonfry, who's Punky Brewster, actually kept the vlog then? No. So there's a show on Hulu called like 90s Kid or something. She carried a camcorder around with her and vlogged everything. It wasn't called vlogging, obviously. but No, she, that she, was called MTV True Life. Right. <laughs> But she just said she knew her life was so crazy she needed a videotape for some reason. So mm. when you watch the footage, it's like, this is a vlog. Also kind of messed up. Just trigger warning if you want to watch it. But anyway, back to the Back to the th show. This we show. are on tangent yeah. fucking hell on this one. Morph also kind of like lets Wolverine off easy. I don't know if that's the right phrasing because Wolverine could clearly kill Morph. But he, he, he doesn't end it. And he runs off saying that he needs to do this by himself. Yep, which I need to get through this by myself. Of all the characters Wolverine would understand, because he literally said the same thing several episodes ago. <laughs> and then Wolverine says that he'll be there when Morph's ready, and also the X-Men will be there when he's ready, which I guess kind of goes with what I just said about, like, if there's anybody that understands that, it's Wolverine. I don't know why it took this much of it for Wolverine to understand it, but... Sure, you know, you don't know, I don't know what's going on in their heads. I've never had to lead these lives. I mean, I, I think a part of it is this was his first chance to really confront Morph one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And I think Wolverine probably believed if he could get him one-on-one, -on -one, he could change his mind. Mm -hmm. And then seeing what their one-on-one -on -one interaction was, that was kind of the like, oh, I might have to step back a minute. Yeah. Or he saw him turn into a rhino. He's like, fuck this, man. Yeah, rhinos <laughs> suck, dude. Not, not the gene psychological yeah. attack, the rhino. That's what triggered him, so... So then we go back to where Storm and that whole crew is and Storm is having flashbacks because Shadow King's in her head and everything. And we see, which I know now was Cairo when Storm was a child and she was a pickpocket who was an organization or unofficial organization run by the Shadow King possessing someone's, someone's body, I guess. To some extent, he would possess bodies, but to others, it was just lording control over. Oh, so he was just kind of an influence sometimes there would be possession sometimes yeah. like because you can't possess multiple people at once yeah so, yeah no. but it's like this badass version of shadow king who's in like armor and stuff yes. like that he almost looks like was it the like, destroyer destroyer or like the celestials in one of the Thor closer movies. to destroyer but yeah yeah, yeah. kind of that like spacey armor thing yeah 
Better look than the nebulous cloud with fangs and red eyes. What? You don't like my ghastly haunter? <laughs> yeah, he evolved out of Pokemon form to humanoid, humanoid form. Yeah, that was his third evolution. <laughs> okay. So, so if you're if you're bored and you're an illustrator, just draw out this Pokemon evolution for Shadow King. That would be hilarious and adorable. So Storm is coming in and out of consciousness with Shadow King in her body, and just to... I, again love that you're doing hand gestures on a podcast. <laughs> That's just me. I talk way too much with my hands. There's a slip of me hosting something for like a Dolby thing, and you just silence the audio, and my hands are doing so much talking. <laughs> anyway, Storm kind of comes as a realization that she's going to need to destroy herself to destroy the shadow king i don't she has to know more than i do because that doesn't immediately check out for me as like the very first option things but sure like i see if i see something who can possess different bodies and stuff and has clearly just floated around in the air without bodies i wouldn't be completely confident that killing myself would do the job but, but she is we don't know the limits of the shadow king's power mm-hmm and we don't know the history in full, so we kind of need to leave that open yeah. up there. There's something yeah, that she knows, more. she knows more than we do. And, you know, maybe the, the rules are if Shadow King is in somebody when they die, he dies too. Yeah. And she gives him plenty of warning because she narrates this very clearly as she's doing it. Well, I'm pretty sure she doesn't <laughs> want to actually kill herself. So she starts flying straight up, yeah. you know, get get to the point where there's not enough oxygen, cold enough, and, and he, he ejects. Then she she falls and Rogue catches her, as is happening in every other episode, literally. Shadow King is kind of this like red energy that's just in the air off to the side. And they're kind of trying to figure out what they're going to do about this. And Mijinari says that he can still see the tear in the mountain. They very quickly figure out that the tear in the mountain is, is what Gene said is the tear on the astral plane, but it's healing. And they even mentioned this back you know, at the beginning of the episode. They're like, oh, it seems to be like getting smaller or whatever. Yep. And so they realize that because of the plot device, the, they have just enough time to go capture him. So it seems like off camera they make a plan. However, once they start executing it, it seems like all three people have different plans. Well, Nari <laughs> is like, I'm going to bait yeah. and I'm going to run in there. Rogue thinks that throwing a giant rock at the shadow ghost yeah. is going to work. It doesn't. Storm thinks zapping him will work. Also doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Mijnari runs through the hole into the astral plane. Shadow King follows in. And it, they don't know, being rogue and, and Storm, that it hasn't fully sealed. They just know that Mijnari is now in the mountain. Yeah. And you get this very, like, trippy, very Jack Kirby-esque visual sequence. I was going to say, like, look a lot like the Doctor Strange movie visuals. Yeah, that's, very, that's a very Kirby feel mm-hmm. uh, to it. Yeah, because Storm and Rogue can't see, because we've established for whatever reason, Mijnari's the only one that can see the astral plane tears. No, it's, yep. Something with his powers, <laughs> let's go with. And Shadow King starts to try to possess him, realizes that the, the hole is sealing, and decides to eject out of Mijnari to try to fly through. Instead, Mijnari, coming back into consciousness, is able to outrun the Shadow King, sticks his hand through the hole, Storm calling for him. Yeah, because she goes hysterical, as a mother would, scrape, like, scrape her nails against the rock. Yep. And I love the rogue decides to just punch the rock, because she's like, if he's in there, we're going to get her, get him out. And I'm like, that has to be one of the most like American answers ever. It's like, he's in the astral plane. Let's punch him out of this rock. Yeah, I'm going to punch <laughs> the shit out of this rock. But to both their credits, all that craziness is creating that noise where Mijinari, it seems like he's able to follow the the 
the rock punching yep. <laughs> and the and the screaming. Well, it, it gives them an anchor point because yeah. I, I think one of the things that you know they were they were running out of time in the episode yeah. probably. But you're in this very surrealist world. You need something to focus in on to get yourself out of it. So his mother's voice is, is what leads him back. And Aww. the love was the answer all along. Yeah, the, the hand <laughs> sticks out through the rock. They pull him out and then it seals behind and the Shadow King is locked up again. Yeah, there forever or so we think. I honestly don't remember at this point. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best, Rod. <laughs> so things kind of just you know at, at least get re- recovered to a point where rogue and storm can leave and things seem pretty peaceful the village and they fly away and they make a comment to help segue the transition they're like i wonder how professor xavier's doing yep and then we jump over and we see xavier and magneto and they're climbing out of the snow presumably from that avalanche mm-hmm. that that happened at the end of the last episode quick aside throughout the season they they being the writers were told that they were not supposed to have one big overarching story for the entire season they wanted it to be a little bit more bite-sized from the network Mm -hmm. this was the way for the writers to be able to have some sort of arc that carried over that gave the connectivity between the specific episodes okay so when the scripts were being written the writers per episode were instructed insert Xavier Magneto moment and basically left like a two minute block in every episode oh, for cool. that specifically. That's cool. And also it, it's kind of, you know, similar why they kept Beast out of so many episodes in the first season. It's like we can only do so many characters at once. <laughs> and But these are important characters. So they need their own little subplot. So we finally hear what this place is because Xavier says, well, what is this? And Magneto says, well, this is the Savage Land. I believe his phrasing was a place long forgotten. Because Xavier's surprised that there's like an Amazon forest in the middle of Antarctica. Yep. And as they're crawling out of the snow, they start to realize they don't have their powers. And that shocks Magneto. Yeah, and Xavier can walk. Yeah, Xavier can walk. They get attacked by pterodactyl riders. <laughs> That's something that, that if you want to put together things that like, you know, like eight-year-old boys are going to love, like I bet the riders are like, yes, let's get, let's get basically cavemen riding on pterodactyls yep. that sounds awesome and it is it, even now as i'm almost 40 it's still freaking awesome yep. <laughs> so they get attacked by the pterodactyl riders end up falling into the water and looks like they're about to go over a waterfall <laughs> why not oh sorry they go over a yeah. waterfall it's not even about to they actually go over it cool so important things to talk about from this episode one thing that was really creepy was the image of Mijnari coming out of the mountain was intentionally there to mimic birth. Oh, wow. His hand reaching out. Yeah. Oh, which, that's horrific. That's totally horrific. Oh I God. did not get that from the show, <laughs> but now that's burned in my skull. Oh, wow. Okay, so that makes so much more sense. Yeah, because the storm is there. She rescued. Okay. Hey, yep. hey, writers. I see yep. what you're doing. Um, and this was also considered a first installment into Storm's origin story. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Besides all the references to her claustrophobia. Yeah, but the claustrophobia is not necessarily an origin story. That is, yeah. that's like... Well, I mean the, the flashbacks that we saw. Yeah, but we we never really got... That one time she was Caucasian as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> that was awkward. But yeah, we like that's one of the things about this show is we, we know there is more than just everybody's good and and join this team. There's there's history to all these people. Mm-hmm. And this was our, our first instance of seeing that with Storm. Yeah, and you see, like, it's kind of a piece of her backstory that shows you the, you don't get the regal wise storm without kind of a messy history. I mean, she was a pickpocket. It's kind of, 
hard to granted it probably wasn't a huge impact like on the world considering how many like you know other villains and murders and things are happening but hard to defend is like a noble thing and stuff but it's yeah we're getting more bite sizes pieces of what her childhood was like yep any other thoughts for this episode aside from not recognizing maverick (laughs) i love storm and so this is one of my favorites i remember this one even not having watched episodes in you know a decade or more just because i thought it was cool and also it was interesting that it was a storm backstory that took place in Africa that they wasn't overshadowed by like a Black Panther, like the hero Black Panther presence and stuff. Because I I feel like outside of the Fox X Men shows, which are awful anyway, but whenever I hear someone bring up Storm and they're t- talking about her backstory in like Africa or Cairo or whatever, they they bring up t'challa at some point which is great he's a great character and everything it's just like she's so cool on her own i I love that like she was the main focus of that backstory and the shadow king was her nemesis and like it was a really cool story and i can't wait to see i I actually don't remember the the episodes coming up that do more of her backstory so i'm really looking forward to seeing those after rewatching this well i think a part of that is just from a timeline perspective the lot of the heavy crossover especially when it comes to a relationship between storm and black panther mm-hmm. doesn't actually happen in in our timeline until the like mid 2000s there wasn't as tight a relationship between them at least from the comic books of mm-hmm. the 90s it was is something that would come a decade or so later okay cool yeah. Well, yeah, maybe, that's, I, maybe that's why I like that version because that's the one I got introduced to. Yeah, because I believe it the marriage between Storm and T'Challa didn't happen until the Civil War storyline, which okay. was which was latter part of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. So. Very cool. Yeah, no, I, I just love I love Storm stories. And I love Storm and she didn't have any corny lines that I remember in this episode. No, no, they, they've toned down some of like the awkward Storm lines in this, <laughs> this second season so far. We've talked in between episodes about like, were they just trying to give her and other characters lines because there's been times where situations are completely resolved and then storm just says something to add to the conversation that didn't need to be added but not this episode they did her justice i yep. don't know i like this episode that's the tldr all right cool rod do you want to wrap us up so thanks for joining us if you have any thoughts like how much you love storm make sure to drop them in the comments for either the youtube upload or the official instagram post about this episode and as long as I keep doing them, we have YouTube shorts too. And I think you can leave comments on those, interact with those. Otherwise, I'm just going to stop doing them because it, right now they literally have zero views. <laughs> if, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app you're choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and probably TikTok. Try it out if you're one of the not children on TikTok. Well, now you need to keep posting it on TikTok because you shouted out the TikTok. There you go. I'm just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, On to TikTok. TikTok.